Welcome to the Craft Brewery Finance Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies to improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to help improve financial results in our beer business, and now I'm helping other craft breweries do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Finance Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Chris Farman from Small Batch Standard. Small Batch Standard is a craft brewery consulting, accounting, and financial strategy company. You can learn more about them at sbstandard.com. And you can connect with Chris, if you like, via email at chris at sbstandard.com. So we talk about a number of subjects facing the beer industry, the brewery industry these days. Among them, the need for really good cash flow planning, for financial forecasting and reforecasting. And we share some tips and some tools so you can make that process a little bit easier. We also dive in on some breweries that were maybe better able to withstand this financial crisis than others and what those breweries look like, what they may have done differently and some things that you may be able to learn from going forward in your brewery. So for now, please enjoy this wide-ranging discussion with Chris Farmond from Small Batch Standard. Chris Farmond, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Carrie. You talk to a lot of brewery folks um, and I'm interested you know, what are the main concerns you're hearing from them? And, you know, what questions or needs do you tend to hear more often than others? Yeah. So I like to break this whole situation by timeline and what, what's actually happened over the last, since I call St. Patty's Day, St. Patty's Day week is what I consider week zero is when things started to shut down and people really started to freak out. And, uh, you know, all of our customers had a outstanding St. Patty's Day week. They had a smashing St. Patty's Day week, number one, because of the holiday. Uh, number two, because people were starting to stay home and stockpiling. And number three, there was a push for local. So everybody was going to their local vendors and purveyors and supporting. So um, that was week zero. Uh, next week was week one. They saw continuous, you know, strong taproom sales. They saw continuous uh decent distribution sales at this point distributors were a little confused as to what was going to happen but beer in the chains and the sea stores continued to deplete very very fast so by the end of week one which is really week two they the, the distributing breweries realized that they had a play here with their packaged product it was going to be less than before but it was going to be it was going to be good they were going to be able to maintain it Week two of this whole situation, you know, taproom sales stable, stabilized and breweries got to the point where they were able to start predicting how much to go beer they were going to sell. Some ran out of crawlers and that gave them a little breathing room to try to resource and, and find crawlers. Distribution kind of chugged along. Here we are in week eight, I think. Some people week eight, some people week seven. And I would say that a majority of the breweries that I work with are doing just fine uh, financially, right? They have paired back sales, uh, excuse me, they have paired back labor. 
They have maintained some normalcy of sales. They've kept production labor where they needed to be in the beer and the quality going. Um, I would say the fear has really subsided for the most part. Um, I would say the biggest fear right now, and this just came to on my radar about 48 hours ago, is what happens when everything opens back up. So states are starting to reopen now at 25%, 50%. Well, that's enough, in my opinion, and my customer's opinion for all of the people who have put payments on hold, i.e. landlords, utility companies, to knock on the door and say, hey, you're open. It's time to start paying. Well, the the slow stepladder to to come back is not going to equal the 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 rent payment and the utility the full rent and the full utility payment. So, looking ahead, it's balancing the reopen and the ramp up period and cash flow. No doubt, that's the big concern right now. Yeah, that's a good point. All those deferred expenses feel pretty good right now, mm-hmm. but but they're going to come due and they're going to come come crashing down. So yeah, cash flow. I think planning for that, you know, really modeling that out is important. Yeah. So tell me a bit about um, in your business what you're seeing right now as far as clients increase, decrease. What what's going on for your business? For my personal business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are we're very lucky right now that we're seeing uh, a a big need for the specialist numbers guy I call us, or I call us a financial agency for craft because it really goes past the debits and credits and it goes into having the owners back when it comes to uh, financial decision making, whether that's modeling out the sales reps compensation or tap room managers compensation or advertising spend cost of goods sold. I'm really diving into uh, cogs per SKU right now, a fully loaded cost of goods sold per SKU to figure out what that margin is. Is that SKU still uh, reliable? Is it still profitable in this day and age? So uh, back to your question, I don't know, I went off on a tangent there, but back to your main question, we are uh, very lucky to say that we're having a, a great demand for our services um, at the moment and are you know, putting our resources together with hiring and reworking our org chart to really service our existing customers and our, our, the ones that are coming on the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point about the specialists too. What, what I'm sensing is, you know, this crisis has really ramped, it's it's pushed the accelerator down on a lot of things. As someone mentioned, was talking to a, a peer in the industry earlier today, and they'd said, you know, taking our three-year plan and compressing it into two months. So everything is accelerated and speeded up. And I think it's also shining a light on those areas of our business, the brewery business, that we would say, yeah, you know, finance and accounting is important. But, you know, I really would focus rather focus on, you know, producing more beer or new brands and things of this nature. And it's really maybe shifted that priority. So I like what you said there that, you know, there's a big need for that that specialist. And you know, I'm glad you're there to to fill it and help folks out. I, I know that's that's exactly what they need. Yeah. Can I say one more thing on that point? Please do. If um, if the admin role or the accounting role, which it rarely is, was one of the ones that needed to be furloughed at the brewery, uh, we, we have 
come in and replace that 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 service uh, at, a, at, a, at a fraction of what it costs to have it internally, and it uh, you're, it's being handled by experts. So it really is a win-win um, because you know, typically a brewery will start, and over time the taproom manager will move into uh, a pseudo leadership role and uh, really the the keeper of all information. And they move into a pseudo accounting role and, and they're faking it and everyone's okay with them faking it because the CPA is going to clean it up at the end of the year where we, we really get ahead of the, the numbers on an accurate basis um, a month in and month out. So it's a, it's a good, a good investment in the brewery. That's, that's great. And it's, that's a good resource. And I'll make sure to link uh, back to your contact information so people can get in touch. Um, if that's, if that's, of need for them right now. And I, and I would agree. I think the uh, wearing of multiple hats that just in any small business and particularly small brewery. Um, and now, you know, that margin for error that may have been there before, if we had a, a profitable tap room and so forth, the, the margin of error is really slimmed way down. So I'm curious, do you have any specific tips or must do's for brewery owners or managers right now? Any financial skills uh, that you would recommend any information that maybe they can think about to navigate this crisis. Yeah. So we were talking about cash flow earlier. We we have a cash flow tool that we put out, and we we had a pretty lengthy webinar that we also published with it, showing people how to use it. That's a huge tool right now because it's pretty dynamic, in the sense that you can remove interest payments for the time that you're not paying interest and you can bring interest payments back in. And at the time we released it, I wouldn't say it was premature, but people were anticipating PPP loans. They were anticipating other grants. And now that that's come and gone, everyone's kind of going, okay, we've gotten all the cash we're going to get. What now? And our, our tool has a place to put in additional funds, whether it's debt, whether it's and you can rank those and list them. So, it, you know what? It's it's a it's a quick look based on historicals uh, of, of the cash flow on what's coming up and, of course, decrease in revenue. So that's that's one tool that I'm that I'm telling people to really go out and, and use. And I'll get you a link to that to put in the show notes or um, it's a good good resource. Uh, other 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 tools that I'm I'm speaking to to owners about is really just maintaining um, a, a sales forecast and understanding what's coming in and then what's going out. On a on a webinar yesterday, I spoke to, about the the big five, which is your your raw materials, your packaging, your labor, your le- your yeast, uh, and your rent. Those are your your big five that um, breweries really cannot go without. And they uh, must have, and you, you need to model out four to six months of what that's going to cost to figure out how much is coming in. And, and none of this has to be a science right now. This has to be just estimates. Um, you know, sp- speaking of the PPP, we also released a calculator for that, and we're getting a lot of you know detailed questions. Well, for most people, we just started the, the covered period, so it's just an estimate. It's just a, a first glance. With over time, we will d- we will get we will develop the um, the actual forgivable amount. So, um, yeah, that's that's really what I'm what I'm talking about these days. And um, and just and and honestly, outside so the touchy feely stuff is is just trying to stay positive. Um, 
I spoke a lot yesterday about the doom and gloom media out there when in reality, uh, most small craft breweries are just fine. They're, they're doing fine. They're, they're, they're running cash flow neutral, cash flow positive. In some cases, they're doing more business out of their tap room now. You and I were talking about it before the show that average ticket size is you know, 30 to $50 versus 8 to 20 or 8 to 22 to be more specific per customer. And they seem to keep coming back. Um, I think the brewery is another stop right now as we, you know, as we leave our, our house arrest, it's, it's another, it's another opportunity for a stop, uh, for the, the person who's out getting essential groceries, getting essential food, getting dinner to go. I know we have friends that every Tuesday night, they do a local restaurant and a local brewery. They could be on opposite parts of town, but they support in both. Um, and it's, it's a big, it's a gathering of, of, of a couple families. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> In the social distancing, but it's two families that gather and they they throw down every Tuesday. Nice. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think the sense of community, people really helping each other, it's always been evident in the brewing industry. And I think the larger community as well, everybody's realizing, you know, we're, we're certainly stronger together and hopefully we can maintain that and, uh, and ride out of this. You know, I wanted to ask you about... Um, you know, I, the crisis blindsided everybody for the most part. You know, I, I tend to joke that it, it probably didn't blindside the insurance companies because they've largely written pandemics out of their uh, out of their coverages, certainly for business interruption insurance. But do you know of any breweries that were better prepared than others to deal with a situation like this? And maybe not pandemic specifically, but a financial crisis like this. And and if you do, you know what. What do they do differently and what maybe can other breweries learn from that for the future? Sure. So none of the breweries that we work with or know, and it's a lot, um, we're, we're ready for this. Okay. Or, or, or knew this was coming. No one had a, had a crystal ball. Um, but with that being said, we do work with two distinct profiles, just general profiles. And, and one is that um, the one profile is, a brewery that has little to no debt and moderate cash flow. Okay. And the second profile is a brewery that has healthy debt and outstanding cash flow. And really those are the two models which are, uh, are sustaining just fine. Right. They've been run with fiscal responsibility. Uh, They're not over levered. They and and the ones even with healthy debt are in most cases if it's an SBA product are having having some additional relief right now, and the cash flow really hasn't de- decreased. So it's very interesting that um, the customers that we work with do operate with with fiscal responsibility, and they lead with the liquid and quality, and um, you know. One of our biggest mottos is just building deep, successful relationships. And I found that we've aligned ourselves with breweries with the same thing. And the good guys win, right? The good, the good people, the good, honest people win. And, and um, it does help that we're selling alcohol. Uh, it does help that alcohol is not a luxury. It's a must have. Um, you know, it does help that people are drinking earlier and people are drinking because they're homeschooling their kids. So, there's a lot of factors in play here. Um, I think I heard that that St. Patty's Day week, 
and that the two big boys sold more beer that week than they sold in the first two months of the year, I think. Yeah, or or it was one of the biggest weeks on record, right. uh, certainly, yeah. Yeah. So there was the fear, right? Craft is premium alcohol. It is alcohol, but it's premium alcohol. Will premium be affected? I don't know many people in my age range or my generation that can go back to drinking anything but craft if they're a beer drinker. Uh, there's, but the problem is there's many options for that. Um, there's many, many options for, for craft these days. So once again, I've gone off on a tangent. However, I would say that the, the profile, no one was, no one was prepared for this. Uh, I will say that the pivots and the, the business model spin up that I have seen happen and the announcements and the awareness that they brought to their new business model. Phenomenal. I'm really, really proud of our customers as to how quickly they have pivoted and been successful at that. Mm, it's interesting. I think I'm seeing that is more anecdotal on my end, but I'm, I'm certainly seeing that more and more that uh, we're seeing more emphasis on the business side of the brewery or equal emphasis, I'll say, as opposed to, you know, I got a passion. I'm a home brewer. I just want to start a brewery. Now it's, well, I need a business plan. I need a financial model. I need to understand my cost structure. So I think certainly as a, as a, accounting guys, a CPA, that warms my heart. But I, I think that's a good sign for the future of the industry as well as being, and let's circle back and underscore the two profiles that you had outlined. And I think, you know, nobody can prepare for zero revenue or a ha half loss of your revenue overnight. But those two profiles you just said, those with low debt, moderate cash flow, those with a healthy amount of debt and really good cash flow are the ones that are really in a better position to weather that. So I, I think that's a good model a good framework for folks to think about you know as we come out of this is just that you know fiscal financial discipline it never feels great at the time right you want to buy that extra candy you know that fancy canning line or whatever but having that fiscal responsibility can really pay off yeah. so you know i'm curious what you are learning personally uh through this crisis and you can answer this any way you like whether it's you know financial lessons business lessons, crisis management, preparedness. Is there anything in particular that's kind of struck you about this time? Anything, you know, you've learned that you'd like to share? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I, I've been, I've been talking a lot about, uh, patients care and fiscal responsibility, um, and applying those to your business, um, as a whole, right? So the, uh, business owner that applies care, care to the product, care to the team, care to the vendors, care to the customers, patients uh, not wanting everything to happen right now, and then fiscal responsibility uh, will will end up coming out on the other end, right? There, there may have to be some hard decisions that are made, and there may have to be some tough conversations that have, but I've, uh, I, I've just, I've seen some really amazing um, care taken during this. Um, a lot of our customers are, they're, they're doing whatever it takes to keep as many people on staff as possible. They're, they're fighting for, they're fighting in local government for certain, uh, measures. They're fighting for grants. They're fighting for loans They're So it's, um, they certainly are not sitting back and throwing their hands up in the air. Uh, we, we work with a few, um, non-brewery. I hate to admit this, but they're, I've been working with them for a very, very long time. Uh, they're in the medical industry. 
and they stopped by my office weeks ago and kind of just threw their hands up in the air. One's an elective surgeon, one's a dentist. They kind of threw their hands up in there. I was like, yeah, we'll just see emergencies as they come through. Never heard that with a brewery. Um, it helped that breweries were labeled essential business, but boy, when they were given that little, when they were given that inch, they just kept pulling and sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. Um, so, uh, there's that, um, you know, I, I have been a, a, a huge, um, opponent of the doom and gloom. Uh, I'm uh, a client called me and I, this was in the podcast yesterday, but a, a webinar yesterday, a client called me from a very large market uh, on the West coast and said, I have been tasked by our local guild to um, report to this Senate, this state legislator, Senator, whatever, about the state of the brewing industry and how bad it's been affected. And I don't know what to say. Uh, what are you seeing out there? And I kind of looked around and I was like, I'm seeing aces. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not seeing the mass closures and the the carnage that some of the media outlets are putting. Now, is that coming down the pipeline? I don't believe so. I have scratched through every scenario that can go through my mind and my mind usually doesn't rest um, of what could come down in the future. But um, I would just say this is a really honest, persevering industry. And I'm, I'm so happy that I'm, I'm a part of this and, and just cranking with them. No doubt. A bunch of scrappy entrepreneurs. I mean, everybody's used to bootstrapping out there and this is an extreme version of it. So you know, my my money's on on these guys. Um, shifting gears a little bit and talking about e-commerce, you know, that's sort of been resurrected um, these days to help kind of maintain or even grow sales. What are you, what are you seeing out there relative to how breweries are using e-commerce? You know, we hear about curbside and online sales and so forth. Any tactics, creative or otherwise, that you've heard of that have been particularly effective? Yeah, I would say that in general, breweries are um, going to include online sales as a permanent means of, of revenue moving forward, right? They're going to take to-go beer a lot more seriously. Uh, the package, the cold package section in the tap room is is going to be updated and elevated. Um, I think that... Uh, there, when when we reopen, there's going to be a, a group that you know are comfortable sitting indoors or outdoors at a brewery, and there's going to be a group that, that isn't. And it's going to take coming and picking up package to go and seeing the other people there to build the confidence that's needed to bring uh, whether a family or pet or whatever to the to the tap room to to drink. Um, what I was talking about yesterday a lot was uh, how do we how the brewery that figures out how to take the taproom experience home will win. Uh, typically, when you hear of people drinking craft beer, they're sharing, they're telling stories, they're recalling other craft experiences and vacations. So it truly is a, uh, a community building uh good consumer good. I mean, people drink it alone, but most of the time they're, they're showing off. They're, um, having people come taste this, taste that, uh, the brewery that can somehow figure out how to take the taproom experience home, uh, is going to win. And, uh, here's a couple examples. 
Uh, a brewery I work with does peanuts and peanut shells on the floor. They've been doing it since day one. Uh, they include a bag of peanuts with every to-go order. Okay. Um, so I would say that looking around, uh, an- oh, excuse me, another brewery, here's another example. Another brewery does um, DJ night where the owner spins his own music at the, the tap room. Uh, very odd concept with a brewery because usually it's live live music band, but this is turns into a pseudo club. Um, but they're doing um, uh, live stream or webcasted um, DJ sessions to the customers. So the, the the big thing is is you know how do we transfer that experience to to the house? Uh, and I think breweries have to rethink. Packaging, they have to rethink marketing, they have to rethink experience, experience at home, experience at the brewery uh, to really capture and stay relevant. Absolutely. And speaking of packaging, I mean, a lot of smaller breweries, taproom only, draft only, um, you know, are having to shift to pack, whether that's growlers or crowlers or, you know, rapidly trying to get into cans or bottles. Do you have anything to share from clients or other, other things that you've heard relative to those breweries? shifting to package, you know, how they've done it, uh, how they've fared in that, and maybe any, anything in particular they've been able to to do to kind of accelerate that process? Yeah. So if you have a canning line right now, I would say that you're in a good spot. If you have any sort of packaging, bottling, or canning, you're probably in a good spot. Um, and a tip to that would be make sure that thing keeps running because there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the future to pack for yourselves and potentially other other people. Um, the ones that don't have canning lines, it's a bit tougher, right? You're typically beholden to a mobile mobile system or you're beholden to a crowler machine. And I've seen breweries crank out a ton of crowlers ahead of time. Every day, someone's just filling and sealing, filling and sealing. And that is time consuming and so, uh, so on. Um, if, you, uh, if you don't have either, um, that's a very tough situation to be in because some breweries have done away completely with uh, the growler fills because it's more of an open vessel and and so on. Um, I've seen some local breweries um, purchase the beer of other breweries and do a tap takeover in their own brewery to try to promote some of that draft. But at the end of the day, that's only going to move so much product, right? It's not it's not really that much. Um uh, we've also seen short the the ones that do have crawlers. We've seen a shortage of crawlers. Uh, we've seen a lot of breweries run out and then try to get them uh, or order them, and and there be long lead times. Um, yeah, I would say if you're in a situation right now where you can't afford a canning line because they're very expensive, and you don't have a crawler machine, I would contact um, a a crowler company and see if, how quickly you could get one, you know, installed and, and up and running and begin promoting those. Um, if you do have the crowler machine and you don't, you know, you're not ready to move into a can or you don't have the, the other can packages, I would say, you know, do, um, make, make your reality work, uh, make your reality work. And, and I know that's easier said than done, but there's a ton of breweries that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. So last question or next to last question from me is uh, any parting words of wisdom, hope, encouragement for brewery owners and employees out there? Yeah. I, I said a lot on this yesterday in the webinar. I mean, I, I think for the most part, you're going to be fine. 
Um, if you fit with close to one of those two profiles, uh, you're going to be okay as a business. And if you operate with care, patience, and fiscal responsibility, um, and, and I don't think those words are too fluffy. I think those words pay back dividends. Uh, I, I could be fluffier, but no, I've, I've really thought about those a lot. Um, I would also say that beer is a necessity. It's not a, uh, it's a must have. It's not a, uh, luxury. So with the, uh, people being home and commute times non-existent anymore, people are drinking earlier, uh, cause your only choice is to work or hang out with family. Uh, and then people that are homeschooling are certainly drinking earlier. I know I'm us, we're a living example of that. So these are all good signs. Um, and yep. As long as you stay in front of the customer and understand that you're really not annoying anybody by the continuous engagement and, um, customer interaction, you're not annoying them. They, they want it. They want to hear if they don't want to hear you, they'll, they'll go away themselves. But until they do, um, you know, keep reminding them of who you are and where you are and what your offerings are. And I think everyone's going to be okay. It's great. Appreciate those words of wisdom. And just in parting, if people want to connect with you, reach out, get in touch, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. I, I really recommend everyone join our conversation, which, which is our email list, because we're we're putting out a ton of uh, tangible content on there. Uh, we're putting out metrics and benchmarks and and even we, we do we do some soft conversation as well. We do some interviews and and so on. Uh, but if you go to uh, SB Standard uh, is our website, sbstandard.com. Uh, you can email me at chris at sbstandard.com and uh, we'll be uh, happy to put you in the, in the right direction to get, get in touch with us and, and be part of our conversation. Fantastic. Well, Chris, I really appreciate the time. A lot of useful information here for folks, a lot of good, good takeaways. So thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome, Kerry. All right. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Finance Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinance.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Finance newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.